Right, lads, 2019 part two. So we've already decided this is the craziest year of Irish football. So part one was fairly crazy. Part two, is it going to get more crazy? Any more stalking, David? Um, there is actually in this particular episode. Yes, I excessive stalking. Uh, no, we. Oh no, it's not in this one. It's it's at some part three. But uh, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry to let you all down, lads. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. So no, it will be next time. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, and I'm sure everyone else is. And no war though. Sadly, no, no war at all. So. We left off the last episode with Noel Mooney's appointment, so just if anyone didn't listen to part one, you probably should, or else this might be a little bit underwhelming, but we spoke about Declan Rice's Ireland rejection, as if it hasn't been spoken about enough. We spoke about the tennis balls during the Georgia game. We spoke about John Delaney, the Oireachtas committee, and now we're moving on to even more drama. Crazy, crazy years, we said. So just starting off, so the 20th of May, so Noel Mooney was appointed as the interim CEO, a uh, good friend of David, good friend of the podcast, currently with the Welsh. Love you, know. Lovely, Noel. The gorgeous. Lo- I think we said in the last episode, the luscious, luscious Noel Mooney. And just a couple of little articles that kind of came out around the time that David's kind of dug out from the archives. So on the 26th of May, so Shane Ross saying in an article with the Sunday Independent that the move to bring in Noel Mooney is backwards and a cynical move and said that Mooney is one of the last people on God's earth suitable for this job. So going to Mooney is going back to the dark ages. And that was according to Ross. Wowza. Yeah, uh, that was actually down to, uh, you know, and it's kind of, and, and this is this all about politics and it's very Irish as well. But basically Shane Ross had an issue with Noel Mooney becoming, you know, the interim CEO, as you heard from those quotes, but apparently that equates to and goes back to comments that Noel Mooney made um, at oh, it was an event a while back. Now, Mooney was a part of the commercial side of the FAI. And I think he he's the guy that came up with the whole, or he was, he headed the team that came up with the whole hashtag greatest league in the world for, yeah. for the League of Ireland. Was, he he the league of Ar- was Noel Mooney also from the FAI? With, he with was and stuff. from the cuts. He was, but you know, he had he's you know he told me and personally had several arguments with uh, with John Delaney over several things. And and to be yeah. fair with Noel, he, he does strike me as you know he's quite fiery and uh, but transparent uh, as well. Uh, from what I've seen him, definitely transparent. Uh, from, from my dealings with Noel, um, and everything he said to me, he he would do. He did. You know, he did. I I can't I can't give the man any more credit than that. From my dealings with Noel, anyway. Uh, and best luck to him with with Wales. Actually, hope to see him back again sometime. If he has a great spell with Wales, obviously, definitely, I reckon he'd be back with the Irish job. But sorry, I, I digress there. But basically, um, he was at some function. Oh, I think it was twenty fifteen. It could have been, and he made an announcement. You know, basically saying how wonderful John Delaney um, was, uh, and how great the FAI was doing. Blah blah blah. And Shane Ross basically that was. That's what he took umbrage with, which actually is hilarious when you think about what Shane Ross had said in 2018 about uh, John Delaney and the FAI. And there's a very famous clip out there from News Talk saying, oh, the fans love John Delaney. They're doing a great yeah. job. Everything's wonderful. Hadn't a clue. Mr. Uh, Bandwagoner himself. Yeah, I just, yeah, just didn't have a clue with that weird English accent that he has. Um, Sorry, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so, Sorry, Mark. Yeah, but the difference is though, Martin, you, you, you were born in London um, and... Gr- 
you know, live in London. He was born in Ireland and lives in Ireland, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> so it, it's all a bit weird. Not taken away from your Irishness, by the way, Martin. Um, <laughs> just, just putting that out there. Our favourite Englishman. Our very favourite Englishman. But yeah, uh, and this this whole thing, you know, scream, not just talking out of both sides of his mouth, Shane Ross, he was screaming out of both sides of his mouth. And actually, much to the detriment, he was caught with his pants down. He was caught, uh, no, Jesus, sleep at the wheel, not pants down. I don't want to picture that, Jesus. Um, but he was caught asleep at the wheel, Shane Ross, and he was embarrassed. And he, he was embarrassed, and he should feel embarrassed. And basically, he's trying to overcompensate now, and he's trying to, you know, he's going too far in the other direction, saying, no, this is wrong. We need a full, you know. And they're going, well, look, we'll do that. I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit here. You know, the FAI stance was, we'll, we'll do that. But, you know, we need to sort of like, you can't just clear everyone out straight away. There does have to be a little bit of a handover because otherwise you have absolute even more carnage if that's actually possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just to comment on this, I think Noel, Noel was a very safe pair of hands, very respected in FIFA, uh, UEFA circles. Um, he did leave the FAI, um, you know, at that, that time as well. You know, he, I always felt that, you know, he, he's been over at Wrist London events with us, really good friend of our club, um, always a great speaker, very passionate about Irish football um, and great ideas and stuff. And, you know, he was an Irish person in the door at UEFA. So very good at networking, very politically savvy as well. Um, like I said, very, very, very well respected. Um, so I think it was a case of here that he was a very safe pair of hands. He knows the intricate workings of, the FAI, the um, how it all works in the background, the schoolboy league and stuff. I think we're quite a unique footballing nation in, in that respect. So it was a very good decision. Obviously, we'll come on to speak about the funding, I'm sure, with UEFA kind of bailing the FAI out to some respect. But he was a very safe choice and he was going to come in and do a good job and kind of steady the ship. And that's what UEFA wanted. Um, whereas I think Ross then is just tarnishing Mooney because he's part of the background group who were there when John Delaney was there. And basically being a polit politician, Ross is just saying we should be clearing house here. They, they think it's like a government, you know, like, I'm amazed at governments, how, you know, you can be a minister of education for one for two years and then you end, you end up being the minister for health the next year. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. I think that's what his perception of the FAI role was um, that we can just come in, clear everybody out who was part of this wrongdoing allegedly. And then, no one, whoever was ever connected to it should be part of it going forward. You know, we've mentioned in the past, very good people at the FAI, very disillusioned at this time. Must have been a real shit environment to work in, to be honest. People I openly spoke to, I think I mentioned it before, they, you know, you, you kind of be embarrassed wearing the FAI badge um, around, like, you know, work saying that you work for the FAI, which is absurd, really. You know, it should be a dream job in some respects. So... That was the situation. I think he was just delusional that he was saying everyone should be out, and he was just thought, "Oh, I'll make a, my, I'll make my presence known in in the media, um, and jump on the bandwagon, like you said." And oh, look, who can I blame? Oh, well, he's part of that group anyway. Not really understanding. He's got no knowledge of football, as he really Shane Ross. Not really understanding what Noel Mooney was all about and what he was actually brought. And the politician. No and knowledge you know, is no knowledge is sport at that. He he just it was everything. Like he was. Didn't Katie Taylor win a fight and he was like at the airport to greet her and yeah. I can't remember what else, some of the Olympic stuff he was but, oh he but was cringe, cringe But a politician. Yeah. 
having a go yeah. of somebody playing politics, which, uh, you know, and that's what that's what Nolan was doing. He was saying all that about John Delaney. And I, yeah, does it age well? No, it doesn't. But that's what you do. You go over to a place, you go, yeah, you guys are fantastic. You're the best. So Noel is a very enthusiastic person. Yeah, he's he really promoting is. Irish football. He's not going to turn around to, uh, when he's over in Slovakia and they're saying, oh, how are you getting on with the FBI? And oh, how are you getting on with John Delaney? He's not going to go, he's fucking useless and he's this and this, is he? He's oh. going to talk up the FBI as an organisation and this is how friendlies are, are, are arranged, how these other tournaments are kind of arranged as well. This is how it happens, it's networking. And Noel was in the door of UEFA, but very much in my dealings with him, really promoting Irish football and everything, and understands it very well, very, very well connected. Um, and that's what he was doing, and that's what he's... I mean, I think he's someone I really think I kind of look up to in a sense. Like, Noel, he was working in the FAI um, and doing very, very well there. And I was I was so pissed off when they let him out the door because he had such a good reputation the UEFA and UEFA snapped him up straight away. Yeah, and he yep. was just one of them people that we let out the door. We let out Packy Bonner as well. He went off to the UEFA, so that was just the thing. We didn't have the money to pay them, obviously, but we let very good people out there. I think his mentality was always that he was going to leave, wasn't it? Sim- similar to Noel Quinn, it was kind of like, look here, kind of short term, but we'll uh, we'll see how we get on. But I don't I don't think that the long term thing was ever something for them but it probably should have been made worth their while from the FAI just moving on there last second of June so the Crisco Wars I just have down the nose there um, don't know who wants to come in there it's, it's... here we are <laughs> um, yeah um, uh, the Crisco Hearts this this is this is fun because this was not too um, not too far away from the game in Copenhagen and I remember right I I, I didn't actually so Martin and I talk, obviously, now, and I suppose we're sort of friends, I guess. Um, <laughs> but being a, but like, I was actually a member of the London uh, uh, club, the Risk club. And uh, basically... Risk uh, London. Risk London. Risk you're London. A Sorry, so... This should be rolling off the tongue. Absolutely. David, you're getting 15 euro every time you say Risk London, so you have to remember this for your own finances. You have to remember these things. I I really should. I'm really sorry, man. Let the team down. I've got. I wouldn't mind. I've got like millions of Risk London thing artifacts all around the house as well. (laughs) But basically, um, I joined at this stage. Nobody knew who I was. Um, I never don't. And still don't know. I think I I stepped on a few toes as well. before that, with, with some members of Risk, and I was like, I'm going to keep a low profile of this thing. I'd gone to a Stags in Westport, and I'd played my first game of football, and probably last game of football in a number of years, and I got the bus to Dublin, and then got the bus out to Blanchestown where this was, and I remember I was put sitting, because I was on my own. I didn't go as a, as a Risk London person, I just went as me. And I um, was sitting at the Galway table, uh, the Gal- Galway Supporters Club table, sitting right next to none other than Paul Nealon. And uh, one of the lads, I, I don't think he's with uh, Irish Football Fan TV anymore, um, but he was one of the original lads with him. And you know, I got talking to Paul, whatever, every, everything was fine. And they had Alan McLaughlin there as a special guest. But I just thought that was interesting. And that's actually when I met Noel Mooney for the first time. And I got a picture with him. And, and how's it going, Noel? And uh, Wes Houlihan was there. Uh, Mick brought the team over. Got a photograph with Seamus Coleman and Darren Randolph. But if I don't have the photograph, because if you're listening, I did actually follow that up. And nobody uh, got back to me on that one. But anyway, if you, if you have it. 
Give Alexandra Burke a tweet there and she might she might send it on to you. Yeah, uh, I did actually follow that. I was like, guys, what's going on? And just nobody got back to me. I was like, okay, fantastic. Uh, John Giles was there. I didn't really know what to say to John Giles. I was a bit, a little bit starstruck, you know, like a legend of the game. And I remember I got a photograph of him. He goes, oh, do you want one of those selfie things here? Yes, I do. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. And I was like, thank you, Mr. Giles. I, I, I didn't know what to say to him, really, like, um, to be honest. And Mick was there. He was lovely. And Alan, of course, a gentleman as always. Terry uh, Connor. Yeah. Yeah. I what what did you call him the last time? Te- Terry Conroy. Conroy. I'm always getting that bloody. I, I'm terrible with names. Absolutely awful with names. And it was just a lovely, lovely event. Had a nice meal. Went back. I was absolutely buzzing. And Don Conway, who was still the president of the FAI at the time, uh, gave a very uh, gave a very good speech as well. Um, obviously he was severely on the fire. So for me, anyway, it was a fantastic night. I still, man, were you at that event? I we we didn't we didn't know each other by then, did we? I, no, I saw I, you. I, I, I watched you from afar. This was a brilliant night. Um, I must say, um, you know, give a lot of credit to the Confederation of Supporters Clubs because obviously the shit is hitting the fan and the FBI at the time, and we were able to organise this amazing night in Blanchetown and. Um, you know, fair play as well. Mick brought Seamus Coleman and um, Darren Randolph, who won the Player of the Year, the Fans Player of the Year this year, to the event. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, Noel Mooney was there as well. Um, all the lads got up and spoke who were the guests and stuff. Absolutely brilliant. It was lovely to see Alan McLaughlin there. I had a good chat with him. And a kind of funny story from the night was we had the band Catalpa were there uh, doing the music. And one of the lads got up and uh, does a brilliant rendition of Phelan Warren. That's a brilliant rendition of this kind of songy kind of poem he wrote. And it's like, who the fuck is Alan? And it's just brilliant. It's all about, um, obviously, that night in November um, in 1993 when we qualified for the World Cup with Alan's goal. And um, that was really, it was lovely. It was uh, uh, quite kind of touch and emotional thinking back on it, to be honest, that Alan McLaughlin was there to hear that kind of yeah. live. Um, but one funny thing from that was all the tables were around. It's a bit like a wedding, the way they set it out. It's a very good stage, really professionally done, to be honest. And um they showed us the highlights of um, the game in November and it showed like, you know, um, the goals being scored and stuff. And you remember like Jimmy Quinn gets the first goal, doesn't he? And Ireland are playing in white that night. But obviously in the screen, some, some lads have had drink at this thing. You know, they've had a few too many already, maybe around the time of the meal. And when the goal goes in, Jimmy Quinn's goal, wearing the green, this lad jumps off from this table and goes, yes, get in. And everyone just turns around and look at him. <laughs> That's not our goal. <laughs> <laughs> so he just sat down sheepishly but like really really good night it? i mean it's probably no, david <laughs> no it's absolutely brilliant night i mean um like i said it was just a good, uh, what i found it was a bit kind of reconciliationary if that's the word um it just kind of showed that you know all the crap's going on with the fai but they were still able to kind of bring this together and and respect the fans who put on this thing uh this event Noel mooney was a really good speaker as well um wes Houlihan was there as well had a great chat with him um, got Alan to sign my um, program from uh, Winter Park, and um, yeah, it just just lovely photos and stuff. It was the, the lads couldn't do enough for us, really, having photos and uh, with, with all the different supporters clubs and um, brilliant. Like I, I chewed the ear off Johnny Giles, absolutely here on my favorite one of my favorite photos of someone I've met, probably famous or ex-footballer, is me with him, and just I just chewed his ear off chatting about Man United and. Uh, the time of the Busby Babes and things like that, Bobby Charlton, Liam Whelan. And he's just an absolute, like, I know he's got the book Football Man, but that's what he is. He just 
is so enthusiastic about football and he just holds court wherever he is. Um, so yeah, really, really good night, uh, I must say. And uh, yeah, it was excellent. And actually, I brought my wife to this game, Caroline, and I remember the next morning, like we were first flight out. And um, so I came down to the reception, like trying to book a taxi and a taxi pulls up and this lad kind of comes out of the lift, kind of, kind of small, kind of nimble on his feet, like rushing out with Louis Vuitton bag. And uh, he says, oh, he said, oh, how are you doing? You're right. And I went, yeah, yeah, good. And I said, he goes, oh, I'm going to the airport. Do you want a lift? And it was Wes. So we just got into the cab with Wes Houlihan <laughs> and I'm kind of hung over. And I just said, right, don't be talking to me now to my wife. It was just chewing the ear off Wes then going through. Brilliant. So, and, and also I'll probably do owe, owe him half of the cab fare, to be honest. But I thought, you know, he's probably made a few quid in, in, in his time. No, I, I still give it back to him, Martin. <laughs> I still give it back to him. I'm about to head out to Cambridge <laughs> and get it to him, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Good excuse for a trip over. So, moving on there, last the 4th of June. So, Glenn Whelan saying that he found out that he was released by Aston Villa after he missed two phone calls and one from a journalist asking for his reaction and the <laughs> other from Dean Smith about needing to have a chat. Okay, so, I mean, we've we've heard that before, last, haven't we? Like, I think, didn't we hear from... Um, can we do the episode on Kevin Kilban? It was actually his birthday yesterday, wasn't it? But we, we did the, the episode last year and his international career with Trapattoni ended from a missed call, wasn't it? So funny how people operate these days. And on the 14th of June of 2019, so Robbie Keane, who of course had been appointed as Ireland assistant manager, had joined the Middlesbrough coaching staff. So he was assistant manager with Jonathan Woodgate. So of course a good buddy of his. And um, I think that only lasted about a year, didn't it? And then uh, he yeah. was relie- relieved of their duties, both of them. So moving swiftly on to the 28th of September. So John Delaney, uh, this is a quote from David. John Delaney finally fucks off. Yes. <laughs> and Donald Conway, the new vice president. Paul Cook, um, longtime critic of John Delaney. So he did lead the FAI side in negotiations, with did, which did produce the deal. Um, that led to the former CEO's resignation after 15 years of absolute madness. So it finally came to an end. I remember, lads, years ago, Sepp Blatter being removed from FIFA and breathing a bit of a sigh of relief. Now, nothing really changed, did it? But this was very similar, wasn't it? It was just years and years of nonsense, years and years of a CEO or someone higher up overshadowing the football and overshadowing the things that should have been spoken about. And finally, he was gone. Um, I know there's a lot of making up to do, and there's a lot of rebuilding to do. But it was it was a it was a very positive day for Irish football, even though he possibly did ride off into the sunset somewhat. Yeah, I mean that was one thing that would always come up uh, on Lancet Road when people would be sort of saying, "Ah, yeah, but why did they pay him X amount of money?" Well, they had to. Unfortunately, you know, that that's what they had to. I think he had a two million euro. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, a two million euro golden handshake deal. A loyalty bonus that he had. He had uh, maneuvered for himself uh, with, with the board. So they could have actually paid him. I think he got 400 something in the ballpark of 400,000 euros a payoff. Um, but they could have actually given him two million. They had to pay that. Legally, they had to pay that. Otherwise, it was two million, or they would have had to see out the rest of his contract. So it was actually a stage bit of business, you know. Get him off the books, get him gone, get him out of here. But that goes to show you the man uh, that John Delaney is. That you know he wouldn't just step down, you know, with, with some sort of honor. Um, I I remember, yeah, the the jig. I mean, the jig, the gig was up. 
jig was was completely up um you know weeks before months before this but i remember reading an article in the independent i can't remember who it was it wasn't Daniel mcdonald um and they just said that john the lady was a bit like a spaceman or something along those lines it's like how you know when mike he, something he said something along the lines of when i explained to my kids when they're a bit older about what john delaney was about what he did and what he got away well allegedly got away with and how he ran the organization and how he was treated i mean it, it's like a character it's like did he actually ever exist like it's mad it, it is absolute madness what he got away with and how he it's was able it's, it's, it's the kind of stuff you read about in history books you know eccentric yeah. Eccentric leaders, eccentric dictators, it's um, from 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 the, the the Middle Ages and from you know just just stuff you wouldn't believe existed. But this yeah. was happening up until twenty nineteen. Yep, and 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 also led on like you know what was your man was it what what was the guy's name? Oh God, he did the um he did the uh, John the Baptist documentary on, on the Independent. Oh, what was his name? And he propelled all of this nonsense. And he, do you remember he had the, do you remember he had the picture? Oh, um, you know, we're back to the good old days on the front of the oh, independent. Yeah. Oh, like, Jesus, yeah, yeah, and John Delaney. That's yeah. where the champagne flutes. Are yeah, there. yeah, yeah. You know, uh, just outrageous stuff. Really outrageous stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, the damage that that man has caused. We're going to be feeling that for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And we, we still are. I mean, we still are. And it's, it's going to be a long time before this is all fixed. And believe it or not, lads, there was actually a bit more football during this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more football. So back to back in the June of 2019. So Ireland drawing 1-1 with Denmark. So Shane Duffy equalizing with five minutes to go after uh, Hoiberg. Of course, the Spurs lad had scored uh, just 10 minutes before. And then Ireland beating the mighty Gibraltar 2-0. So Cipollina own goal in the 29th minute and a Robbie Brady goal in stoppage time and um, a tap in from a james mclean cross were you at this these games lads yeah i was yeah i went to denmark this was this was a good trip this this is where uh, david accosted me and i managed to sort <laughs> him out a ticket outside the par um yeah it was a really weird one we had a lot of people i think they had lots of problems traveling um you know flights cancelled and delayed and things so a lot of yeah. people couldn't actually arrive in yeah i was at that one as well it was it was real airspace i think we had to fly back through belfast it was yeah it was a it was yeah. a rough, rough old trip. It was a mad one because I think, yeah, we just ended up like with spare tickets basically. So we were able to sort people out, obviously, at Face Valley later on, uh, up to kickoff. But no, really good crack. Um, you know, in, in the outside, the, I can't remember even the bar, David, where we met, but um, Dubliner, sure, wasn't it? Dubliners was Dubliner, in, the, that was in the square, it, yeah. yeah. And um, special, I, Martin, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I do remember um, our eyes locking across the me kind of cowering away in the corner when I was getting stared out by you but um, then I think, oh, maybe that's him that was actually um, Jim Beglin was probably standing behind you Martin <laughs> that was actually no you you were you you were locking eyes with the top I was wearing I was wearing that 1992 1990-92 uh, shell suit jacket the one with the, the white with the green stripes going across it and I was wearing my uh, Euro 96 qualifier white jersey, the one we wore against uh, South, Af- what was it? Me- South Africa and, uh, um, oh, Northern Ireland, the famous one, the 4-0 one. I think we only won it twice. That was what you were looking at, Martin. All oh, right, yeah. Maybe. That's what everyone was looking at. I, I was there as well, lads. So you felt it, obviously, Nick. Yeah, so I probably felt the sexual tension. <laughs> yeah. You just felt the magic as I walked into the Dubliner. Yeah, I walked across that square wearing that, and I said to myself, "I went, so wait till you see this. This would be like 
somebody fucking a pastry girl wearing a a belt size skirt walking across a Wetherspoons. Everyone be all fucking staring at me. And they were. They, people coming up and offering me money for my shirt, my jacket. It's like, sorry, that's it, it is. I, I will share these photographs actually, um, in Copenhagen. It, it, it's it's a thing of beauty. I still have it and I'm waiting for the next uh they'll probably get taken down for being sexual content, to be honest. It is quite explicit, yes, absolutely. It, it was right. like I said. I mean, back to outside the, the Dubliner and the square and stuff. This was one where you know I don't want to be killjoy, but you know the ball was being kicked around up onto yeah. roofs and fucking up to things. And I remember they're feeling so sympathetic to this couple who are obviously having the lunch, and then the ball lands down. But you know, typical Irish fans, bit of a whip round. Um, and one of the funny things about that was like, I was like all apologetic, saying I'm really sorry and all this kind of stuff because we were on the table next to them. I was just grateful we hadn't knocked our pints, to be honest. But um. <laughs> We, we um, I remember saying, I'm really, really sorry and stuff. And, you know, I just people had a bit too many drinks. And um, and then this lad next to me, just like he arrived back from the bar. Like, this is like a good few hours before kickoff, like with a round of Jaeger bombs. And I'm thinking, like, I'm here on a trip with my son here. You know, all right, I had to take one. But, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking, geez, like, I was first of all, apologize. That some people just have had too much, you know, they're, they're getting a bit overexcited, too many drinks. And then this arrives down to me. <laughs> <laughs> like walked away sheepishly but it's brilliant like matt holland was there uh with his son and kenny cunningham tony o'donoghue all around hanging around you know some of the play i remember meeting um kind of family as well they were over at the game and um having a game of darts with them which is quite interesting but uh, no it was just just pretty cool uh, as a place we've been there many times haven't we denmark and yeah it was a good little trip um and, and i remember like just the football i mean look I remember just going absolutely ape shit when D- Duffy scored that um, incredible goal um, yeah. late on. Um, and Alan Judge, I just remember Alan Judge getting injured, didn't he? he, he did yeah. he break Yeah, he off? broke his wrist, I think, didn't or he? Wrist, yeah. I, I, was the full-time whistle gone? But I think it was... It had, yeah. yeah. Correct me if I was wrong, but didn't the referee like play on or if my memory serves me correctly, he kind of played on when he shouldn't have played on. It was like a, it was an unnecessary advantage. And then as a result of that, he's at, he actually broke his... His wrist and yeah, that's right. Yeah. Him out for a yeah, while, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a shame because he did well, Judge, didn't he? Like, I mean, he was, I mean, he was, he must have been about 30, 31, 32 at this age. By the way, he scored an absolute screamer there the other Recently, night for, yeah. for Colchester, yeah. yeah. But, but he's one of those players, like, he was a bit older, but he was great off the bench. And I think he actually got the assist, didn't he? Like, he, he, he said he, he swung in the free kick that, that got the Duffy goal. So, he was very dangerous and work out from. He was very, he was very good, actually, that night. I, I remember when the goal went in, uh, as I was wearing my absolutely gorgeous uh, white tracksuit. Honestly, it is amazing. I'm not not uh, exaggerating this. Um, and I remember the goal went in, and I was right behind the goal. I had a whole row to myself <laughs> because uh, Martin, the Greek over there, uh, had all the tickets, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> and um, <laughs> remember, yeah, I'm not gonna get you to trouble, Mark. Remember in the bar, I was like, yeah, yeah, which one do you want? <laughs> like, what, what, yeah, it what was like that. Want? Yeah, yeah. Those <laughs> yeah. people didn't turn up. Fuck, I know, did, did I see a few watches as well underneath your jacket? Sorry, from a tell boy. It's like what was? Yeah, he goes to this, and uh, you know, I was ringing people back in Ireland. If you can make it over on the flight, you know, come over and get you. Yeah. But anyway, you never did. But I just remember when the goal went in, and the shame. I was right there. And Shane Duffy just like barred through about five Denmark players and fucking bang got on the head on the end of it. I my immediate reaction was like, yeah. And then I went, hold on. There's a lot of drunk Irish fans around me. They've been on the piss all day. There's a lot of beer. And I <laughs> I actually just turned around. I was like, I was thinking of my beautiful, gorgeous tracksuit up. And the thing went up and I turned around and actually looked up 
waiting to see like where the bear was going because all the bear was flying up in the air. And when I when I realised that wasn't coming anywhere near my gorgeous top, I was just like, yeah, fucking god. And then I started going mental myself. It was brilliant. Uh, it was really good, good, good performance um, in the second half. I think, and, and we could have won it in the end. I just thought Copenhagen, and I really can't wait to get back there. I thought the people were wonderful. Yeah, yeah. they're lovely fans out there, and they don't get a lot really of fans. Nice. Sorry, very nice. Really, yeah, like even at the end, like these two, they're all they're all about. Gee, everyone's like six foot plus, like blonde and gorgeous. That's just the men. Yeah. Oh, that's just the women, sorry, <laughs> uh, and the men, and they're all of Freud and slip. Um, but like, you they're, know, these two, their fans are are fantastic. Like, I mean, I know, like, there, there was the couple of marches down to Lansdowne Road from, um, you know, kind of from Balls Bridge in the last few games. But like, they do that all the time. Like, they're always doing marches, and they're they're very friendly and they're very nice. They're very not nice. hostile, very welcoming. Um, very Breen nice. actually kind of befriended one. Uh, I think. Breen was just over in Copenhagen on holidays, but he he made good friends with um, Danish fan Johnny, and we just kind of made it a habit of meeting up with Johnny whenever we went to Copenhagen for for games, because obviously we spent a lot of time there the last few years going That's to Ireland matches. And they're 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 great fans, like they're really really good people, really nice people, and fantastic fans, fantastic I'm, fans. They're similar to ourselves, but well. but 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 a bit more decorum, a bit more decorum. <laughs> my, my sister was there with me, and she goes. Uh... <laughs> and you know you're seeing the Danish fans and they're all like as I said six foot gorgeous like great shape and the whole lot and then you see the Irish lads and <laughs> you know they're, they're all on the lights the last couple of days yeah, I'm not boilers hanging out yeah I remember um, there was this guy I don't I got a picture of him I'll, I must share this on the page and I got a picture with one of the stewards. And I was where I was standing. Now, I, I don't drink anymore, as you know. So I, I was one of the few sober ones. Even my sister was fucking, was, was pretty well on. And I was just kind of standing there. And I noticed there was this little steward person. And she was like moaning because there was no smoking allowed in, in, in the stand and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it's open air. It's summertime. It's a beautiful day. And the... You know, the other, you could tell the other lads, because, you know, working in football a very long time, and the other lads are just like, oh, God, just get this little woman away from us, because she's just going to, she's going to fuck everything up, you know, like, we, we just, they're fine, you know, it's one of those, they're fine, leave them alone, and I remember they just sort of, like, sent her away, over to the other stand, over to the home stand, and they were so nice to Stuarts, and one or two of her fans, let's say, had uh, one or two Shandies, too many, and uh, were struggling. A couple of Sherberts. Yeah, there were, <laughs> I was one or two of them struggling to make it down the stairs, not to be helped into the seats. <laughs> and I remember at the end of it, I just went up. I mean, like, listen, I've, I've been in a state uh, an away game, like it's part of the territory. And I remember I just went up to uh, to the guy at the end and said, listen, I saw what you did for fans. You know, thank you so much. I got a photograph, never got his name. And he goes, ah, um, uh, very, very slippery steps, very slippery steps. Well, yeah, nice one. <laughs> Yeah. Lo- lovely people, great trip. Can't wait to go back again. And I remember at the end, there was these two lads, strapping lads, ch- chatting away to me about the game. And I thought, you know, from my experience of football and and working in football, I thought like one of them's going to swing for me, or <laughs> you know, I was kind of standing back a little bit. And no, they were actually there after about a minute. I'm mean, no, these guys actually just want to have a chat about football and just say how well we played and all that. I thought, wow, okay. And uh, yeah, Copenhagen, beautiful. I, I, anyone out there, visit Copenhagen. It, it's a wonderful city. They, It's the best city in terms of life and quality of life that I've ever seen. They get it. They absolutely get it over there. 
It's a great spot. Proper football fans. The Gibraltar match is one to forget, really, wasn't it? I mean, we got the win, but a very, very rigid game. And I just remember feeling really bad for David McGoldrick because that own goal, I thought it was on target. And then, oh, it was just, it was grim, wasn't it? Like Scott Hogan started, he was really off. And oh, wasn't Callum Robinson kind of camped down the wing and he couldn't really do much. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a frustrating one, wasn't it? Because, I mean, we beat them Shocking. 7-1 the last time, didn't we? Uh, th- th- this was really poor. Uh, didn't they have the? This is the one where they had the John Delaney um, hundred. What was it? Hundred thousand euro note, didn't they? They had him on the yeah. seats and were supposed to wave him. I think in the thirty-third minute, <laughs> uh, but he'd already gone or, or whatever it happened. It, it never, nothing ever happened. But I, I, I took a few of those and kept them. Uh, I actually shared those on the page. This was a terrible game of football. Um, Shane Duff. This, this, now, this is one of these ones where, you know, Mick had promised us the 2002-style football. I think this is where he thought, no, um, if I'm going to get this team, this I think for me, this is the one where he said, no, we're, we're going to stop playing football. Because Shane Duffy, ha, him trying to play out from the back, he couldn't. Now, we know Shane Duffy under Stephen Kenny. Uh, he is able to actually play the game. And he can pass, and he's on great form at the moment. But there was a couple, of, and it wasn't just him. You know, there was a few complicit in all this, and it was very, very bad to watch. And I think this is the one where Mick just thought, you know what, lads, we're gonna go route one. We're gonna play that burst football. We can't play there from the back. These guys can't play 2002, or I do not have the time to play that style of football. I try to learn that style of football. I I got to get results and quick. And I met Mick, um, you know not too long after this actually and you know he's just like i've got these points in my pocket that's all i care about yeah and and after promising us the the nice style i think he just kind of accepted it because we were we were averaging like a, a shot a game or something outrageous like that under mick so it was it was very difficult to watch so moving on there lads 27th of july 2019 so the bulk of the fbi's old board is replaced at its agm although donald conway uh, stayed on as the president and on the 18th of august uefa confirming that john delaney will not be invited to the uefa committee meetings or executive committee meetings while the investigations back in ireland were going on so it was just it was it was just more madness wasn't it really it was just just more drama and then a lot of satisfaction knowing that john delaney wasn't going to uefa because i mean that was that was something that he was very smug about wasn't it something that he felt he had a lot of power with and that he was he was gathering a lot of um safety with when stuff was kind of kicking off with the FAI. Yeah, I think this was this was kind of the, the end of him, really, because I think he did have a lot of friends there, to be honest. He was very well respected, and this is it unraveling for him probably personally and professionally. Um, yeah, I, I think so, just sad, really, because I think for all, for all his many, many faults, I think the fact that we were a small nation, he was representing us at UEFA, we were challenging with the big boys in that regard. You know, we used to get good friendlies against teams. Oh, um, man. We had people... Well, no, no, but we have had <laughs> decent teams have we coming over. Um, but, but you know what I mean? It, it, like, he was very, very highly regarded there. Um, and he was sitting on these executive kind of committees of like, underage tournaments and things like that. So he was learning this trade there in a way that he, he, he was going to... He was one of the power brokers, whether you like it or not. He was... Um, going that way with UEFA because he was he, a fantastic politician. That was that, it. You know, Noel said that to me actually um, when I met Noel for the second time, just to come in on what you're saying there, Martin. Mm. And and you are right. And 
it, it I'm almost right. Me. I know I'm right. Well, you are right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but it pains me to give that man any sort of compliment. John Delaney, not Martin. Martin too. <laughs> and uh, he, he really, he really did. Um, one of the things Noel said to me, he, he said one of the strengths of John Delaney was that he was very strong to table. Not dealing with the likes of Mike Ashley <laughs> and folks like that. People are, that are even um, allegedly slimier than him. Um, but when it came to dealing with the JA and it came to dealing with the IRFU, where there had been rumours, shall we say, and feeling that, you know, those two other organisations used to always put their nose up with the FAI. And with good reason, to be fair, because it never really represented itself the way it should have. But he actually brought a bit of power with him and a bit of might to that table and he wasn't pushed around like allegedly maybe some other ceos were um in the past not every one of them but but some of them and he was like no you're not going to push us around and he he got deals and he got certain things over the line so that was one of the probably only good things about john delaney that he did uh for the fai and he bought like that bought all the lads points as well i suppose it's, it's always a plus hands down in slovakia yeah yeah. Uh, start of September, lads. So believe it or not, a couple of more football matches. So Ireland drawing one-one with Switzerland at home. So Fabian Schär scoring an absolute screamer of a goal. Great team goal, wasn't it? On the 74th minute, and Dave McGoldrick scoring the equaliser on the 85th minute. So great header, very similar to the Denmark game. Similar times that the goals were scored, and then just three days later, um, Ireland, uh, or sorry, Denmark and Georgia drawing nil all. So um, we seem to be kind of back into contention. Uh, for qualification and then a uh, triple header. So Ireland playing Bulgaria in a friendly. So Alan Brown, Kevin Long and James Collins all scoring in that game. Uh, of course, Ivan Popov had equalized for Bulgaria before the floodgates kind of opened. Um, and before we move on to a fairly substantial incident, lads, do we want to talk through any of those games? Those, I mean, the Swiss game, again, another kind of they rigid performance, us. but they did batter us, but... But um, good persistence in the end. I mean, we kind of went back to old school, ruthless uh, pressure and passion and all that kind of thing. James McLean intercepting yeah. and setting up the goal. Poor game, though. Uh, it was shocking. Uh, and 2002 was long gone at this stage. As I said, I think the Gibraltar game really hammered at home. Uh, we were shocking in this game. Uh, when McGall did get the goal, though, the atmosphere was cracking. I remember this was the best atmosphere. This was the best atmosphere I'd experienced in Eviva ever, and I know it was open about nine years. The old Nelson Road was amazing, but this personally for me, uh, Martin's obviously been to a lot more games than I have, but for me this was the best atmosphere I experienced in Eviva. Just cr- great beer bottles flying everywhere, <laughs> <laughs> pure carnage. You know, it was it was like it was like a piss up in a in a pub on a Saturday night in a nightclub. And I know that sounds bad, but that's, that's, listen, you want a good atmosphere at a stadium, you need a packed house, you need, you need stakes, you know, and that was the stake. We're, we're, we're in contention here. Like, we, you know, we, we are fighting, uh, you know, at the top of the table. So we are in contention. And, you know, you got a big team, Switzerland, you know, they're thereabouts. And you need a pissed up crowd. And and I had all of that. And to be fair to Mick, you know, he did bring that back, that that Lancer. It was a proper atmosphere of that game. Unfortunately, the game was absolute muck. Uh, the nil-nil in uh, Tbilisi against Denmark for Georgia got us back in, into contention. And of course, you know, Bulgaria beat them 3-1. Everyone's like, oh, this is brilliant. We actually did play a bit of football. I think um, 
uh, Jack Byrne made his debut, certainly under Mick anyway, around this time. But Bulgaria was shite. They lost 6-0 to England a couple of days before that. So, yeah, let's not get, you know, no yeah. one got carried away with that. The, the really but, annoying thing with that is we played them exactly a year later and it was a much more inexperienced team and we only managed to draw with them. But sure. Yeah, don't don't get me started. Yeah, but you know, COVID, etc., and, and you know, it, listen, we, we we could have played Route One against Bulgaria and probably beaten them like two, three nil in that game. But that that's not what we were trying to do. You know, you have to, listen. It's all about discipline. You have to have the discipline to stick to the game plan because the game plan is sound, and that's what you have to do. It's very easy to go Route One all the time, you know. And yeah, you get results, but. It's finite, isn't it? So just to answer that little segue there. But no, no, it, it was very bad uh, under Mick. And 2002 was long gone, basically. It, it wasn't it wasn't coming back. <laughs> not, not under Mick in, in part three. It doesn't get any better, does it? No, not at yeah, all. The, diff- Mark- the difficulty here, I think, with these games was, um, I think Mick kind of had to... Uh, just looking back at the teams there... Um, the Gibraltar game at home, the, the struggle to win 2-0 there, you know, all of our strikers, none of them had really scored. None of them had scored, I think it was. I think that was the kind of the media attention saying, like, we haven't got enough goals in our forwards here in this team. And I think we were expecting a goal fest as fans. Although I know I preach on about this all the time as well. Worst time of year, end of the season, June game. Players don't want to be there. You know, playing a team that, you know, you know you're damned if you hammer them 7-0 because you're expected to. And you're damned, you know, when you only beat them 2 0, you're condemned as well as absolutely useless. So, you know, we got out of jail there and we just took the 2 0 win, and Mick was happy. And he was, he, he approached it very much like um, when we played the games, the home, the away game to them in Gibraltar, that, you know, he didn't care. He just wanted the result. And that's all it comes down to in the qualification. Um, but for the home Swiss game, then again, pressure was coming into it. So it's a good thing, I think, that, you know, McGoldrick got his goal. It was kind of the monkey off his back in a sense. Um, played, you know, we we played all right. I can remember, I do kind of remember the atmosphere. We've got this amazing trait of Ireland. If you look back, even I think when we spoke about um, the Martin O'Neill tenure when we qualified for the Euros, the amount of late goals we got. We are a team that just. Um, I know I don't want to bring this into Man United, but Man United have that thing, didn't they? Have always, you know, the team are really you're you're always going to have a chance late on, and I think we do have that with Ireland. We score a lot of late goals, even you know, looking now the bulk. The Bulgaria home game, we scored an 83rd minute, 86th minute as well there. So um, we do have a team that, especially when we're under pressure, we're 1-0 down, we kind of go for broke and we do nick goals. It's, it's just an amazing thing if you look back at our history. So that was a positive thing for Mick seeing um, us do that. And also the lads scoring the goals then, like Collins getting his goal. Um, yeah. Very important there as great well. Great finish. Yeah, great finish. Yeah, I uh, mean, the other thing notable from that is Mark Travers started in goal, which I think is his debut. Um, um, yeah, did he? He started, didn't he? And then did O'Hara come off the bench? O'Hara came on. Yeah, I mean, he was still with United, I think. Yeah, he was highly rated, wasn't he? Yeah, he's kind of um, gone off the grid a little bit. Yeah. But like that, that was that was a very technically good midfield, wasn't it? Like Jack Byrne played in that game. Alan Brand. I know I bash Alan Brand, but he was excellent in that game. It was at the game myself, and he was he was very very good. Mm-hmm. So it kind of showed that there was there was lads in midfield who could play a bit of ball, but he was. He was still going with that midfield three, wasn't he? Going with Whelan and Hendrick and Herrahan, and they were just very static, and it just wasn't happening. And I think a lot of people thought Jack Byrne might come into it because he he was very very good. And what was the quote, David, that that he said to you that make make himself said to you about Jack Byrne? 
like, oh, will I step? To us. He said it to us at the wrist yeah. night a few a few weeks later. He said it's for the share. He would never. He, does he think he'd? Well, I let Mick, I'll, I'll let David do the impression. Oh God! You have um, to do, you yeah. have to do the impression, David. We, oh, I, I pass it off so many times. <laughs> I started. Wait, I know. Like we have to give the people what they want, David. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm on here, so that's the first one. No, but uh, yeah, they, I remember it was at the risk line, which is actually part three. So this is a little bit of a spoiler, spoiler but anyway, uh, yeah, he was. They were asking, you know, would you not give Jack Bourne a go in the team? You know, and he goes, says, look, you know, I've turned around and said to Jack, and I said, you know, will I give him a run out against Bulgaria or Georgia? Yeah, perhaps. Will I play him against those two big fuckers? Uh, in the Switzerland defence, we'll add bollocks. And that was it. <laughs> we'll add uh, bollocks. Sorry, Mick, if you're listening. Uh, I do love you. But uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much what he said. And that's why, I mean, he wasn't kidding, was he? No, absolutely not. And um, it's been a running team for a while, hasn't it? And the thing to note in this, I think, and you might correct me if I'm wrong here, isn't this around the time as well that um, Keo has the incident with Derby? Um, yeah. Oh, possibly. Will we look it up yeah. pretty quickly? Yeah, we will. Or, or will we just, or will we just talk about it anyway? Let's we just talk about it anyway. Don't know I'm gonna have a quick check. Yeah, and because this was a big thing, wasn't it? Obviously, um, yeah, it was huge. Sacked. It was huge. Well, I, well, I think it. I, th- I think it was because he didn't play against them. Um, he didn't play the the next couple of games because uh, John Egan yeah. came in at that stage. Actually, 24th of September 2019, which is a bit of a spoiler. It comes yeah, in that's there. A, that's I, part I, three. I, I think. Just about part three. I what think. do we reckon, lads? Are we going to cover it tonight? Or no, no, will, don't. Will, we, will we let everyone sweat? We'll, we'll, we'll let everyone sweat. We don't want to spoil anything. Um, yeah. we, we, we will talk about that in part uh <laughs> part three yeah but i suppose to finish off on a cliffhanger so the 12th of september so kenny uh, Stephen kenny hospitalized in sweden and had a pacemaker fitted now um i don't know if i'm allowed to say this lads but both of you actually knew this uh fairly well, soon after well we were told this um by mick mccarthy basically on the 14th of september he attended the the wrist london um an event with us and Noel Mooney was also in attendance that night. So, I mean, we'll probably cover more of that in, in thing, but in the next part, but yeah, he, he, he said to us, uh, we, we asked how, how things were going and stuff with, uh, you know, the, the senior team and things like that. And the news had happened that, you know, Stephen Kenny had taken ill basically at the time. And then it was Mick who let slip to us that, um, Oh, you know, he's, he, yeah, he's, he's had a pacemaker fitted. And then, then it became kind of common knowledge a bit more, but um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was obviously worrying times for Kenny at the time, so um, and his family and stuff. But yeah, I mean, in the background of this, I mean, we might cover it in the next part three. You know, I think the under twenty ones were doing quite well, weren't they, under Kenny? Yeah. And this very, was very a key, well. key thing, and and obviously we're seeing the benefit of that now to some respect. So um, it was obviously a very, very worrying time. But yeah, Mick had let let us know that at, at the meeting he, he attended with Bris London. Yeah, you had me sworn to secrecy about that one, Martin. And then um, didn't, didn't the, <laughs> obviously the incident with Christian Eriksen, I kind I think kind of triggered him to go public with it. So yeah, unfortunate incident, but but thankfully a success story and a happy story coming out of something, Mick something actually, very traumatic. Funny enough, actually, um, Mick, that's I found out Mick McCarthy told me um, be, before he, he told the crowd, and because uh, I just because you know there was the whole rift. 
between um, uh, Mick and allegedly, I know, between him and Stephen Kenny. And I remember uh, I said, because Stephen Kenny was supposed to be at that night, wasn't he? And basically, uh, I just said to Mick, Mick, uh, what's going on uh, between, you know, why isn't Stephen Kenny here? Did you put something in his food? You know, jokingly like that. And, um, yes, I did, David. Yes, I did. No, um, he, he actually, he just turns and goes, no, no, he, he, you know, he, oh, I'm certainly not going to do any impression on this bit, but, <laughs> you know, you know, he, he just said, like, no, he he, he had a heart attack, he had a pacemaker. He's like, oh, fuck. He goes, yeah, and then he, then he told the crowd. As I said, we can now talk about this. That was said in confidence. It was kept in confidence because, uh, you know, that's how these things are. But obviously, since Stephen Kenny spoke about it publicly, then now we can. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we, we covered it a little bit as well. But in the January of 2019, um, we, we did, we at West London, we have an annual quiz night, charity quiz night. And our guest at that was um, Stephen Kenny came over and it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, um, not to go off on a tangent about Stephen Kenny, but, you know, I know he's often criticised as, um, you know, not a great speaker and things like that. But that night, he probably started off quite similar to kind of how we see him in his uh, press conferences in the early days, quite kind of nervy in a way. But once he gets into it, um, he was, it was absolutely inspiring what he was saying to like, you know, he was just so chuffed that he was getting this opportunity. And he said, you know, I will be taking on a senior job. And when I get it um, and move into that, you know, I, I fully believe we've got the DNA. We've, we've, we've got players who can play. Um, we are, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity basically professionally and personally that I represent in my country and this is the pinnacle of my career. Um, he was absolutely brilliant that night. And, you know, again, like, spoiler alert, but we'll obviously come on to Mick a little bit more of what he tells us at the, the Risk London dude that he attended in September. But, um, you know, again, Mick's brilliant speaker, very entertaining stuff and very, very honest. And, and I, I just think, um, I, I think I said in the last one, anyone you ever hear speak about Mick and I think to Stephen Kenny as well, they're just very, very honest and they're yeah. up front and tell you how it is, basically. Yeah, so certainly plenty more to come in part three, lads. So we're going to leave it there for tonight. Uh, as always, if you have any memories yourself, if you're at any of the games, at any of the, the risk meetings or any of the, of the Crisk meetings in that case or came across anything interesting, do let us know so we can put it into the next episode. But until next week, take care.